Today is the last of our series in learning about the anatomy of the soul. And so it's for a review to understand what we're going to learn today, which are the, the spherot and their connections with the soul. <clears throat> we began by learning of the, the root of the soul, how the root of the soul is an actual part of God above. And then we learned the powers of the soul. That there are powers and garments, and the garments are thought, speech, and action, which we learned about last week. <coughs> and the powers we've learned are divided between transcendent powers of the soul and imminent powers of the soul. And among these powers is the superconscious, transcendent powers, the intellect, and the character attributes. And then we learned all kinds of learnings and details relating to the intellect and the character attributes, the superconscious, conscious. But what we're going to do today is we are going to, in a sense, plug everything that we've learned into the ten spherot. Ten spherot are the ten divine emanations through which God is creating, directing, and upholding the world. And we learned that the spherot manifest on three levels. On one level, the spherot, if we could even say such thing, it's a glimpse into the divine itself. We have to be careful though, because the, the God has no parts, has no descriptions, has no characteristics. Nonetheless, the Torah itself talks about God's chesed, or God's compassion, or the arm of God, or the face of God. So we don't take those literally either. So in this sense, the spherot is, a div- is an array of divine energies. That's on the, on the level of the divine. On the level of the soul, the ten spherot is a, a map, is a picture of the inner workings of the soul. And this is what we began with, that man is created in the image of God, and that the verse that from my flesh I envision God, we learned that this relates, that there is a, a correspondence, a parallel, between divine attributes and human attributes. Not that in any way, shape, or form God is limited by our conception of his attributes. But it says in the Talmud that we're supposed to cling to God. How do we cling to God? So we're told, just like God is compassionate, you shall be compassionate. Just as he shows grace, you should show grace. And we see the Torah also says, you shall be holy, 
because the Lord your God is holy. So even though these descriptions are not meant to limit the infinite being of God, they are human language that we can understand through our own soul. <coughs> so therefore, the tense out manifests itself in all the levels of soul. That's what we're going to be learning about today. And the third level that the spirits are understood is the DNA of the, of the universe. In other words, the physical universe and even the spiritual worlds are in the parameters, in the design of the spirit. The spirits are all encompassing of all of reality. So having said that, what we're going to learn today is how many of the things that we've learned already correspond to the spirit. Meaning that when we talked about the powers of the soul, we weren't looking at the blueprint. The spirit are like the blueprint. We talked about the transcendent level of the soul. We talked about uh, superconscious pleasure and will. We talked about intellect. And we talked about the character attributes. Now we're going to see, in the sense, where do those emanate from? on a divine level, but also on a soul level. So therefore, the, the connection between the soul and the spirit becomes very, 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 very strong. And we see this very much in spirit to Omer. In spirit to Omer, when we're counting seven times seven weeks, each day we talk about Today is Chesed Sheba Chesed. Today is Gevura Sheba Chesed. Today is Tzaferet Sheba Chesed. And we go through the full array of the seven lower spheres. So many people read this and like, okay, well what does that mean to me? What does this mean? But on a very, very practical level, what it is, is telling us on this day, we have a chance to do a fixing in the level of chesed in the soul and gvura within chesed in the soul and tefera within the chesed of the soul it becomes a very very practical uh, self-help uh, uh, directional of how to take best advantage of these seven weeks going from Pesach to Shavuot but it's all on the very psychological level. It's all dealing with here the seven lower sphero, which corresponds to the seven uh, character and personality traits of a person. So that's one way that we can see how the sphero relates to the soul in a ritual that we do every year. So we'll start with, with Keter. And some of this will sound familiar because we have learned some of this before, just not in the context of the Sirot. So we learned that of the transcendent powers of the soul, the two ones that represent this are superconscious pleasure and will. But we're adding a new level this time. Because we said that superconscious pleasure has a simple aspect 
and a structured aspect. The simple aspect is the superconscious pleasure that is totally rooted in its experience of being a part of God. Whereas the structured pleasure is the soul, which is a spiritual entity, seeking superconscious divine pleasure within the context of a physical world. And we said that this is what Oneg Shabbos is. Because the word for pleasure is Oneg. So the Oneg of Shabbos is very physical. It's food and it's drink and it's rest. And yet, it's rooted in a superconscious understanding and appreciation of the spiritual basis to physical reality. So therefore, when we eat on Shabbos and we say, the covered Shabbos Kodesh, for the honor of the Holy Shabbos, we are seeing and experiencing and even tasting the spiritual source of the physical pleasures of this world. But the simple level of pleasure we did not talk about. And this is the highest level of the soul, which is called faith, emunah. Emunah is considered the highest level of soul. And this is described what's called simple pleasure, because this is what we'll call an undifferentiated awareness of the soul rooted in that. It's simple. Once pleasure is directed downward, it becomes complex. Here it's a simple connection and appreciation of being connected to God. And this is what's called the Yechida in the soul. The unique aspect of the soul. And this emuna has two important connections. It is what's called the root of Mesiru Nefesh, the root of being able to give of one's whole being, including giving one's life if needed to be, what's called Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem draws its source from faith in the soul. But it's more than that. It's our overarching Mesirat Nefesh for those things that we have faith in, those things that we believe in. In other words, if someone believes that they should be an Eretz Yisrael, and we all know it's not always easy. There are definitely challenges of being an Eretz Yisrael. But if one believes this with their whole heart and mind and soul, faith in the soul will then direct our will and all the lower spheros to act in accordance to its dictates. That is the power of the soul. It's the most elusive of all, and yet it's the the most all-encompassing of them all. It's the most transcendent. Oneg 
pleasure. Now, what we're talking about now is what are called the three heads of Keter. Keter is the crown. Just like a crown sits on the head, and the head is the intellect, the crown represents above intellect, superconscious. Not illogical, but just above logic, more, more transcendent than logic. So, Oneg is, as we just alluded, is pulled in both directions. The pleasure within the superconscious level of the soul, in a sense, longs to cling to godliness. This is a part in us that, on a practical level, doesn't want to deal with the world. Right? It just just wants everything to be simple and pure and connected to God. And we all have this feeling sometimes. It's just like, why can't everything just be simple? Why do I have to deal with all of this? But that's from the part of the soul that really longs just to be connected to God. The rest of the pleasure of the superconscious soul does look down, or I can see downward conceptually, into the world in order to, to see godliness in the world. That's the pleasure of the soul is to see and experience godliness in the world. Remember, we're not talking about physical pleasure here. We're talking about soul pleasure. So that when you're standing on the top of the mountain and you feel, feel like in the presence of God and you feel how nature is an expression of God, so that's the level of oneg in the soul experiencing godliness in the framework of this world. This is one of many, many examples. That's, that's the level of pleasure for the soul, is to see God's oneness in the world, to experience God's divine providence. You know, when something happens to you, and it's just, oh, wow, God is like, Mom is talking to me. God is directing me. I see it. That brings tremendous pleasure to the soul. Tremendous pleasure for the soul. The ego desires experience. This is not necessarily what the the pleasure in the soul is. In other words, the ego wants experience for the sake of experience. And especially in our day and age, in the Western world where we're raised with the mentality of instant gratification, it's sometimes it's hard to differentiate what, what is receiving the pleasure so we can certainly delude ourselves that we're feeling something spiritual when it's really not all that spiritual I mean this, this, this is what certainly drugs do a lot that it, it induces an experience and it feels like it's spiritual and it may be in a sense spiritual but since it's not really coming from the person it's, it's self-imposed in a sense. So it is an experience, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like all mirrors, like trickery in a sense. That's why usually when a person comes down from drugs, it leads to a greater depression than drove them to take drugs in the first place. Because it's, it's a lot of uh, like a, uh, smoke and mirrors. Okay, Rockstone 
Ratsana's will is a transcendent level of the soul and this is also a type of bridge in other words just like pleasure is a bridge really between reaching up towards Hashem and in a sense reverting back to the unity of Hashem and also reaching down into the world to experience godliness in the world so will is like that also in other words will takes faith and the pleasure in the soul and wills it directs it into a practical plan for living our lives that is the role of super conscious will it's very connected to let's say the will to live the will to live is in a sense a lower soul attribute it's an almost an animal attribute the will to live to survive but it's also ultimately connected to the higher level of will which when the soul is sent in the world it's sent here with a purpose it instinctively wants to fulfill its purpose and so therefore the will becomes the bridge and you can see it here between the transcendent powers of the soul and the imminent powers of the soul the first being intellect so what we just said in a sense we have said before in different ways but what we're going to say now we haven't really touched on is understanding the intellectual and the character attributes as they relate to the spirit so the first of the three intellectual attributes which are the imminent powers of the soul is Chachma, wisdom and we're told that Chachma, if you switch around the letters of Chachma it spells out Koach Ma the power of Ma how do we understand this what? we actually understand this what as being not what meaning the power of self-nullification and therefore as you'll see on the chart each one of these words has a word in the parentheses which is what's called its motivating force the outside word for the sphero is what we'll call the external functional role of the sphero just like wisdom has a, has a functional purpose in our life wisdom and understanding and knowledge it helps us function in the world but the inner so, but what motivates each one of the sphero so the inner motivational force of Chachma is Bittal is self-nullification so therefore when the people come and complain to Moshe and Aram so Moshe says V'nachnu ma what are we like who are we that you come to complain we, we are nothing we're only instruments of God here but in, if you did it literally we are what as far as the creation of the world the same thing Yitzhira says God created the world it says he hung the world on nothingness and the Hebrew is toleh ha'orat al bli ma Belima means literally without somethingness. So 
we're told that what, what does wisdom mean in a, in, a, in a Jewish sense, in a Torah sense? It means, it comes from the ability to nullify our egos and plug in to a higher source of wisdom. The Torah itself is called wisdom. And we're told to really come to integrate the Torah. We have to nullify our will to God's will. If we study Torah as an intellectual pursuit, we will not achieve wisdom. We'll we'll achieve a lot of facts about Jewish law and Jewish tradition, but to receive wisdom, it means to nullify our will to His will. And so therefore, wisdom is sometimes likened to a bolt of lightning. In other words, it's what we'll call the, the streak of inspiration or a, a, the light bulb going off in the mind a moment of clarity that's what wisdom is called why? because we're, it's not really coming from us it's because we've plugged in to a higher form of wisdom and energy and we just become receivers so that's like a flash of lightning it just comes to us comes to us. That's why a lot of times when when teaching or if, if you have a chavruta, you're learning and you're, you're teaching or you're going back and forth in the learning insight just like pops out. In fact, I have to say that's one of my favorite parts of teaching is, you know, I prepare but I'm looking for something beyond this to just come out. And then I run home and I write it down. Because, because I, I, didn't, I didn't come up with it. It, it came down to me. Truthfully, the, the, the bolt of lightning is co- coming from what's called the hidden intellect. Because it's hidden from us until it happens and then there's revealed intellect we study the law but that's already revealed so we're learning what's revealed that's the high level of wisdom also but when we have these flashes of insight they're coming from a higher level of intellect which is actually connected to will all, you have to understand all of these spheros are connected one to the other so we have to look at what's above wisdom. But above wisdom is the crown. So when we have these flashes of insight, it's because we are connecting to a higher level than just pure intellect. <coughs> so then we have Bina, which is understanding. Chachma is a what we'll call a masculine energy. Whereas Bina is a feminine energy. Bina comes from the word Bona, which means to build. It is always associated with what's called Ima. Chachma is called Abba, father, and Bina is called mother, Ima. And the, the inner 
motivational force of Bina is Simcha is, is joy and that's it's learned from a verse in that we say in Halal Aim Habanim Smecha Hallelujah a mother of children is joyous praise the Lord so what this means that's why I said the word accomplishment because Bina is the ability in the, in the words of the, of the Kabbalah is to take the seed of Chachmah which impregnates Bina and Bina becomes the womb and from Bina in a sense all of the character attributes are called the children come out of Bina because in a sense the womb is like where the child is built that's the power of Bina in the soul now it goes without saying that every man has Bina and every woman has Chachma but we're told that still there's a predominant energy of each one in fact the, the Gemara says explicitly that an extra portion of Bina was given to women because it's the that's why the woman is called the house called the house why? because she builds the energy of the house that's her flair that's her uh, <coughs> her grace is she builds not so much the, f- the physical outside of the house we're talking about the home she builds the the home now there's a man can have a house but without a wife he doesn't have a home she builds the home that's why she's called a man's house but it means home and the joy of accomplishment is the joy of giving birth whereas we get a flash of, of inspiration so that brings joy also but I use the example then I go home and I write it down and then later hopefully at least I've done it a little bit so far later it turns into books that leads to great joy now that's the building I had this flash I write down a few words to, to remember the key idea ah but then I flush it out and it becomes a whole chapter and then it becomes actually something in the world so that is the joy of Bina giving birth to children that's the mother principle within every person giving birth to accomplishment and that of course we talk about the ego so it can bring ego joy I wrote a book and right, I'm going to be famous and I'm going to make all this money we're not talking about that we're talking about a deep pleasure in the soul where it's like it's like a woman giving birth right this is a, like, what greater joy is there okay and then we have that yeah um, so is Bina the processing of Yes. It's the processing, it's the building, it's the organizing, it's the transforming it into a living being. So we always use the parable of Abba and Ima and then coming together and having children. Because that is the process that we're, we're talking about. In another sense, Chachma is the right brain and being as a left brain and they come and they come together because if not we're going like this 
idea is to bring the, the more analytical and the more creative and, and, and bring them together. Okay, pushing forward here is dot. This is the third of the intellectual sirot and powers of the soul. So basically what we're doing here is we're putting flesh on the concepts that we learned before. Last time we just learned about intellect in general, but now we're putting specifics and seeing the, the power source. The same thing with the, the uh, character attributes. So that is in the middle of the spirit. Remember, there's three lines of the spirit. The right side, the left side, and the middle. So that is in the middle, but it's not just in the middle from right to left, it's also in the middle from above to below. And therefore, the inner motivational force of that is yichud, unity. So that's why it says, in the first time this word is used as a verb, it says, Adam yada et chava Adam knew his wife chava. And it's understood, it means he knew her intimately. So we learn from this that what is knowledge? Knowledge is being connected to what we know. In other words, in college we study for tests many times, at least many times for subjects that we have no interest in but we need for our major. And we really learn the information backwards, forwards, inside and out. We ace the test and a month later we really don't remember anything because we were totally unconnected to it. We memorized it because we needed an A, we got the A, finished. Whereas that means I am unified. I have an intimate uh, connection with that which I know. And so that becomes the bridge between the right and the left and above and below. Between the intellect and the emotions between masculine and feminine and in a sense all of the different levels of, of, this, of the powers of the soul. Now we move on to the character attributes. Chesed is loving kindness. It's motivated by love. And this relates to the expansive giving, sharing, aspect of a person. I'll go to the next one because we want to see how they work together. The next one is Gevura, which is diametrically across from it. Gevura is judgment or strictness or severity or constriction. This is just an excellent one to explain the dynamics between them all because Chesed and Gevura is called love and fear. And the Zohar describes the service of God as serving God with love and fear, which it compares to wings of a bird. That for a bird to fly, it needs two wings, love and fear. Expansiveness and constriction. One is not good and one is not bad. They're both extremely needed in the soul. In a very practical sense, we have to know when to open our doors to other people and when to close the doors. When to give 
monetarily and when to withhold. When to give love and when sometimes to withhold love. For example, when we, when we need to discipline our children. Now, it's not like it's not coming from love, but there are times that we have to show gavura. It's not withholding love, but it just means a more constrictive energy. Like you're grounded. Right? We're constricting you to base. Right? You're, right? You can't leave your room. Right? It, it is coming from, that's why you need two wings. Because truly, any parent who disciplines their children, it is coming from love. But the love is now being expressed by withholding. When a mother weans her baby, so she's not doing it because she loves the child any less. But now her love is best shown by letting the child start to start to stand on, on, on their own two feet. So it becomes constrictive. So this expansive and constriction plays itself out in every level of reality. And this actually is just a beautiful example of how we can see all three levels of the spherot through here. On the level of divinity, so we're told that when God wanted to create the world, he had to mitzamsem, he had to constrict his infinite presence in order to make place for the world. Why was he doing that? Because he wanted to have a world that had recipients of his love. So you have the creation of the world is God's expansiveness. Show an expression of God's expansiveness. So much so that the, the universe physically is expanding at an astronomical rate as we sit here. At the same time, gravity is what allows us to sit here without flying off into space ourselves. So on the level of divinity, there is expansiveness and there's constriction, and both are absolutely needed. On the level of the soul, so we brought in an example. We brought an example of when to give and when not to give. When it's appropriate <coughs> to share love. Remember in the 60s, free love. And when that's totally not appropriate. In other words, everything has its time and place. And so we see on the level of the way God is creating the world, the way the soul operates constantly, back and forth. Actually, every breath that we take is expansiveness and contraction. Every time our heart beats, we live by this dynamic. And in nature also, when we look at the energy of the physical universe, so we see in the atomic structure that everything is, is going according to electric charges, really. That there is energy um, expanding, and then there's a strong nuclear force that is holding everything together. So we see it. We see the expanding universe and gravity. So it's th this dynamic of Hassan and Gavur is working on every level. This could be a, we could expand this idea greatly because it's it's so it's so important. It's just such a beautiful example of how we can see the same dynamic 
as relating to the Sirot on all three levels of world, souls, and divinity. And then we have Teferit, which again is in the middle. Teferit is beauty, balance, healing, harmony, and it's fueled by compassion, and it's always related to the heart. It is even more than dot, it is in the middle. Dot was also in the middle, but a little bit above. The the Sphere of Teferit is in the position of the heart. A beautiful hint about this is that the word for healing, Rafua, comes from the same letters as Teferit. The root of Teferit is Pe'er. Which means beauty. If you switch those letters around, you have Rofa, you have doctor or Rafua, healing. But we see what's the connection is that uh, good health, uh, and certainly Eastern medicine understands this, and Western medicine is coming very quickly towards this, it depends on balance, on the right balance of of food, of uh, exercise, of mental and physical uh, coordination of body and soul, uh, all has to do with the proper balances. That's how acupuncture works. And, and pressure points is that there are nexus of energy and they become unbalanced or chiropractory. You become the energies become unbalanced as you need to put them back into balance. <clears throat> then we have two other sirot that are uh, across from each other: Netzach and Hod. Netzach means victory and eternity, and a conductor is called a minatzer from the same root. And <clears throat> this svira as we go down in the sphere from the superconscious to the intellectual to the character the, the sphere manifests these energies in the world so therefore Netzach and Hod are the legs this represents we're coming down into the world as it were and so Netzach is motivated and it's inner level by self-assurance, security. Just like we start off on our right foot. Represents like we're ready to tackle a project, a goal. So we push off from the right foot. So it, it, it represents the, the, the power of the soul to be victorious and to to bring the higher powers of the soul into reality. That's what the legs represent here. Hold is the other leg and this represents many different things. It's the root of, of surrender, acknowledgement, confession, praise, thanks and its inner motivational force is sincerity 
So there's a beautiful verse that puts Netzach and Hod together, where it says, He who walks with sincerity will walk confidently. So sincerity is Hod, confidently is Netzach. He who walks in sincerity will walk confidently. So in other words, our confidence needs to be propped up by sincerity. Because confidence can lead to cockiness, to arrogance. So Hode measures this confidence so it doesn't get it doesn't go to one's head. It doesn't take you where you're not supposed to go. And then we have two more, Yisod and Malchut. So Yisod, once again, is in the middle. And Yisod is called foundation because when you look at the sphere, it's like a, it's like a funnel. All the upper powers have to be funneled through Yisod to get into Malchut. Malchut is where all of the powers of the soul manifest themselves in reality. So Yisod is the funnel. Is is connected to truth and to the tzaddik. The verse is tzaddik Yisod Olam. The tzaddik is the foundation of the world. And this is because the tzaddik is connecting heaven to earth. Like the ladder in Yaakov's dream, the tzaddik is taking all the higher powers of the soul and then bringing them down into this world, into earth. That's the role of the tzaddik. That's that's what a tzaddik does. And so therefore, Yisod is always connected to sexuality. Because what and progeny the idea of, of once again giving birth we have it like for a second time this image of, of giving birth because here it's all being channeled through Yisod and seeding reality that's what it's it's uh, function is of Yisod so why is Malkut a feminine energy? Because we're told that the inner motivational force of Malkut is Shiflut. Shiflut, which is like, yeah, which is like humbleness. Humbleness. And so Malkut is the ability to receive everything coming from above. That's why Yisod is called the male principle. And Malkut is the female. And obviously we're looking for unity here. We've said many, many times that the soul is like an inverted iceberg. The vast majority of our soul is rooted above and does not even come into the body. It, as it were, hovers above us. And in a sense, what we're trying to accomplish through learning, through davening, through meditating, through doing mitzvot, through doing good deeds, is to draw more and more of our soul into the world so that we can take advantage of its power in this world. 
if most of the soul resides above, that means most of the power resides above. So we want to manifest the soul more and more within the body or within the physical world in order to affect the world. Because that is what we're told is the reason that the soul came into the body in the first place. Part of it is to take advantage of the tools. You know what it's like? You can, you can give someone a whole workshop of tools and say, please build me a house. I don't have the vaguest idea how to build this. Well, I just gave you the most expensive tools in the world. What? Build a house. How do you build a house? You learn one tool at a time. You learn how to work it. You work with it. You master it. You go on to another tool. The more tools you have, the more things you can do. And the whole point is at the end is that we will build the house and then we will get the divine pleasure because we built the house. If our whole soul with all of its powers were manifest at one time and we could just fix everything like that, then there would be no purpose for the soul to come in the body in the first place. The purpose of the soul to come in the body is, is truthfully to work, is to, is to accomplish on our own. That's why, once again, we'll say that the divine pleasure in the soul or through Bina is when we accomplish something, we have to learn to divide between our ego getting pleasure from it and a true spiritual pleasure of having achieved a spiritual level that now becomes ours for eternity. And that kind of a pleasure we're allowed to have. We're allowed to have that. We're right before Yom Kippur. And the five prayers of Yom Kippur relate to the five levels of soul that we learned in the very beginning. It's the only day of the year that we have five prayer services. So we're told this is the, not the only day, it is the most auspicious day to plug in to all five levels of the soul. And so in, in concluding this series, we should all have a bracha to, to really have a taste of how divine our souls are. As Shlomo used to teach us all the time, <coughs> we have no idea how deep the Nisham is. We have no idea how deep another person is. And when we, when we get that feeling, it gives us tremendous power. Just that knowledge that our soul is coming from a divine place, it has, it has powers, it has a purpose, and it has garments that I can express it that my thoughts, my speech, and action could be pure channels for my godly soul should be an inspiration to us. Amen. So let's take that idea and as we've been doing, we've been meditating to the music on specific concepts that we've just learned.